What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Uh, it is Stu in for Glenn Beck. He is uh, indisposed at the moment. He's back tomorrow. Uh, has uh, some appointments. He's still bouncing back from COVID, man. Everybody's got COVID. If You're not cool unless you have the Omicron. Who are you? What have, what have you done? Done nothing with your life if you don't get the Omicron. Only cool people get the Omicron. 45 seconds. Now, of course, I have not had it yet, so I don't know what I'm saying, but it is, it's incredible. I've really never seen anything like this. This is not, it does not feel at all like March 2020. It's totally different animal. All the things can be said there, but everybody I know is sick. I mean, like, everybody is just out. I mean, we, we've had so many people out here. We don't have show. We don't have enough to staff shows. Now they're constantly rescheduling everything because we just don't have people right now. Um, so it is happening to every business around the country right now. And uh, we do see maybe the very peak of this. Uh, maybe we passed the peak of Omicron. We'll give you a little detail on that coming up. 888-727-BECK is the phone number. in for Glenn Beck. Today we're going to look at what's going on with Glenn Youngkin, his first days in office, creating a little bit of a splash. Left not exactly happy with what's going on. We'll give you an update on the Omicron wave and where we are in this cycle. Are we getting closer to the end of Omicron? And maybe does that mean the end of all this nonsense around the corner? And we'll be honest about what the left is trying to do right now. It's not positive, but we're going to tell you about it anyway. 888-727-BECK is the phone number. It's the Glenn Beck Program. Whether you're playing a team sport or, uh, you know, if it's an individual sport, you know you want to get the best out of your performance. And we see this all the time with athletes. We see this all the time. If you're looking for a financial advisor, you don't just pick the first one you find in a phone book. Uh, if you have a phone book, do phone books still exist? I think they still exist. Either way, you can find it online. That's for sure. It's like, you don't want to pick the first one you see online. We do this all the time with real estate agents, though. Why? Why do we do it? Why do we pick the friend of a friend of a friend of a friend? Why do we pick the person who has the picture uh, on a bench underneath a homeless person? There's no reason to pick a real estate agent that way. You should pick a real estate agent that you can trust. Someone who is at the top of their game, at the top of their industry. 
Well, there's a place you can go to find that person in your area. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. The name kind of says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. So we talked a little bit last hour about the legacy of Martin Luther King. Who is he today? Because I think at this point, the left seems to hate his guts. Look at what they say on a daily basis. Look at the things they criticize. They are outwardly siding with organizations who are describing being colorblind in a colorblind society as racism. They are outwardly trying to make decisions based on skin color in every arena of life. They want you to believe that if you judge people based on the content of their character, you are the bad person. Certainly, that's what we see, at least in the media. And I think this is an important distinction to make here. This is not everybody on the left. It's not every Democrat. Not everybody's like this. But that is what makes it so disturbing that the media continually presents that as the truth. Jesse Single put together a, a thread here, and I want to go over a couple things in it as he highlighted some polls we've talked about before, but he happens to be on the left, and he writes, the Democratic Party sucks, is addicted to losing, is full of whiny losers, and I'm annoyed that it's my only viable option as an American liberal who doesn't want to waste his vote. He says, the level of just sheer, profound, crippling disconnect from everyday Americans I never would have had any idea about these figures because if you consume liberal media, you are almost systematically misled about what the country values, wants, and prioritizes. And he links to some, some polls that you might be familiar with, honestly. You might be connected to what Americans really believe on these topics. But the left isn't. If you're watching MSNBC, you have the exact opposite of a perception of the American people. A morning consult poll found that only 41% think it is a bigger problem to American democracy that it's too hard to vote rather than voting restrictions not being strict enough. In other words, the American people say, wait a minute, is it too hard to vote or too easy to vote? And only 41% are saying, yeah, it's too hard to vote. That's the bigger problem. Now, two... That's, that's among the black population now. These are the people that are supposedly so affected by these terrible voting laws. And it's a group of people that are around 90% Democratic, usually. Democratic Party voters. These voters are saying, wait a minute, what do you mean it's too hard to vote? That's ridiculous. It's not too hard to vote. Among Hispanics, it's only 34% that think the bigger problem is that it's too hard to vote rather than being too easy to vote for people who shouldn't be voting. Only 34%. Honestly, if you watched MSNBC, if you watched CNN every day, and that was where you got your information, what would you think that number was? 90%? 95%? 100%? Is there anyone that disagrees? You'd almost have no idea. Remember, every black person or Hispanic person who says they disagree are thrown from their race. They are disowned by their race 
by MSNBC. I don't know how that works. I don't know if they have control of such things, but they certainly seem to think they do. In a Monmouth poll, 84% of non-whites say they support requiring photo ID for voting. 84% of non-whites. Again, these are the people we are told are targeted by such policies. They, they, we, don't, well, we don't want them to vote. We are conservatives and we don't want any minorities to vote. Of course not. Sure, we say we love the Constitution, but do we really mean it? Of course not. It's just a way to justify our evil policies. Yet 84% of non-whites say they, they support photo ID. Can you imagine an MSNBC or CNN viewer hearing that statistic? They would assume it was a lie. They would assume it was misleading information. They would assume it was stuff that you should get thrown off of social media for uttering. Another thing it is, is absolutely true. And of course it's true. It's obviously true. When you think about it for just a moment, of course it's true. To believe otherwise is racist. To believe that African Americans cannot bring themselves to acquire a driver's license is about the most insulting thing in our political discourse. Think of how ridiculous it is to assume that based on ethnicity or color of skin, that an entire group of people is unfairly targeted by getting a, an ID in America is about the most racist thing you can possibly think. Yet the left makes it part of their platform. Their giant zilch of a president is in front of the American people, pounding his head, his hand on the desk, saying how much he so believes that this is Jim Crow 2.0. This is voter suppression in every way. This fake act they are putting on, who does it fool? It only fools the morons in their own party that are already going to vote for them. This is how desperate they are right now. They are trying to make sure they can lock in the AOC vote. If you can't lock in the AOC vote in the Democratic Party, you got a massive problem. And they do. The representatives are retiring in droves. They are seeing the polls. They are seeing the ID. Uh, they, they, they're these generic uh, party ID votes, and they're almost always favoring the Democrats. These, even when Republicans do relatively well, the Democrats still perform a little better in generic voter uh, party ID. Yet what you're seeing now is Republicans are winning those. Now, it's a long way to the election. A lot can happen. A lot will be tried. A lot will be changed. A lot will go on before now in, in November. But they are seeing the writing on the wall, and they do not like what it spells. How about two, from 2019? This is a poll from MSNBC. And, excuse me, this is a Pew poll. I'm getting my polling outfits confused, but it's Pew, Pew Research Center. The question is, what percent of people say race, race or ethnicity should be a factor in college admissions decisions? Now, anytime 
you say, well, of course, we shouldn't judge people by the color of their skin. We should judge them by the content of their character. That means not giving extra preference to someone who is a minority student. We should just judge them based on their grades and what they've achieved. We shouldn't, for example, give advantages to any particular racial group, nor should we punish Asians who apparently could be the only people who go to college. If you happen to be Asian American, congratulations. All of your test scores are higher than all of us white people combined. Congratulations. You've done it. You've dominated all testing scores. You see this at Harvard. We've talked to people who are fighting these lawsuits where Ivy League institutions are discriminating against Asians. People who had orders to report to internment camps within the last hundred years. Their descendants are being uh, discriminated against because they're Asian, which gives them an advantage. I, I don't even understand the logic anymore, but it's happening in college after college after college. It's insanity. So should race or ethnicity be a factor in college admissions decisions? If you were an, a CNN viewer, if you were an MSNBC viewer, what would you believe You'd say, well, of course, white people probably don't want that to happen because white people are bad people. Whiteness is bad, and therefore those people are making the bad decision, and they don't want race to be a factor in admissions. I, these sentences don't make sense. But the truth is, 7% of Americans believe race or ethnicity should be a major factor in college admissions. Seven percent. Seven. Another 19% believe that it should be a minor factor. So it should have some relevance. Okay? Maybe that you could summarize that viewpoint as all things being equal, you have two students, maybe you give the uh, advantage to the minority group. 73% say it should be no factor. Now, that might be something that would surprise the MSNBC viewer, but it also, they might chalk that up to, well, there's a lot of white people here, and white people want to hold on to their power, and therefore, you know, that would explain it. Well, they've broken it down here. They've broken it down by race. Only 22% of white people believe it should be any factor whatsoever, 78% say Okay, maybe 78% uh, say it should not be a factor at all. Race in college admissions. Among black voters, however, only 38% of black voters believe it should be any issue at all when you're talking about college admissions. 62% of black voters say, no, we don't want race to be a factor in admissions. And honestly, you'd understand why, considering when it was a factor in admissions, it was a bad factor. Why would you want that system instituted again just by changing the colors? It's a bad system. The system was rotten at its core. Hispanic voters, only 11% believe it should be a major factor. 22% say race should be a, fa a factor at all in college admissions. And 65% say it should not be a factor. And in bizarre twist, the group that is most favorable to racial um, consideration when it comes to college admissions are Asians, which they're being hurt by this. But 
still 58% of Asians oppose those ideas. And you might, again, think, okay, well, how does this happen? It's because, generally speaking, the American people are sane. Even though our fights on Twitter don't seem sane sometimes, and sometimes we get so many voices from the AOC wing of the party, we don't even understand who our political opponents are. But even among Democrats, Democrats, only 10% of Democratic voters say race should be a major issue when it comes to college admissions. Another 26% say it should be a minor factor. And still the overwhelming majority, 63%, say it should not be a factor at all. We can summarize that viewpoint as, you know, the sane one. Race should not be a factor in any decision that you make. This is what we're supposed to understand already. We've come through the point, point where it was controversial. And then uh, some people, most people agreed with it and some didn't. And then we like made a holiday for the guy who popularized the idea. One of them. This is not supposed to be a controversial viewpoint at this, at this time in our history. Don't make decisions based on skin color. Yet that is what you're told by the media over and over again. Well, wouldn't it be great if some cyber criminal tried to hack into your network, steal your personal information, and then they were caught and sent to jail? Like, that's how this was supposed to happen. I don't know if we've defunded the identity theft police yet, but I don't think that's a good idea. If that were true, it would be a much safer place to be on the Internet. Of course, it's not true. It's not possible. The Internet is too big of a place. There's too many uh, people with personal uh information that have been stolen that are already posted on the web that are scattered in too many places but there is hope it's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives and lifelock is here to help you can't catch everything of course but they can catch a lot more than you can on your own and if you become a victim their restoration specialists are there for you they're going to help you clean up the mess get everything set and straight again and that may be the best thing of all you want to be made whole after some something like this happens, and they can help you with that. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But you can keep what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now and save 25% off your first year with the promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK for 25% off. It's LifeLock.com, code BECK, 10 seconds, station ID. All right. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on in Virginia coming up this hour. Uh, Glenn Youngkin went into office and decided he wanted to get rid of CRT. And this is something he was, of course, elected on this platform. He went in and did some uh, executive orders in day one. I think there's nine of them total. And the big focus of it was stopping CRT in schools, among a couple of other things. There's some anti-vaccine mandate and mask mandate type stuff as well. Maybe we'll get into the details of that here before the end of the show. But what's interesting here is, what is why was the CRT thing effective? Why are people recoiling from the idea of critical race theory? This is sort of gospel on the left. Why do the American people reject it? All of this is a function, not of branding, not of politics, not of 
the Republican media machine. But instead, it's, it's a product of the American people being, generally speaking, a sane group of individuals who don't want to judge people by immutable characteristics that no one can control and that do not identify who you are as a person. Critical race theory popularizes the idea that not only is race incredibly important to determine who you are, but it also should be focused on at all times. It should be the main focus of the way we think about each other. Every student should be brought into school and taught that race is the most important thing. And how does that play out long term? If you tell every white student that the only source of their power is their white skin color, how does that play out long term? What do they think when they're 30, 40, and 50 if they're brought up under that ideology? If they really believe that their skin color equals power, how do you think that applies itself to society? Well, we should know. It's happened before. It's happened before all over the world. When people associate their political power and their very existence to the credit of their skin color, bad things happen over and over again. This is why you fight back about it. And it's why even in a, in a blue state like Virginia, the people said, uh, no, we don't want this. I don't want my kid going to school to learn that their skin color is the most important thing about them. Of course not. What year is this? The focus here should be the exact opposite. And that's why Glenn Youngkin wins. That's why the, the left-wing educational establishment is being pushed back on. That's why when you look at uh, all of these things being pushed so hardly by the left that the American people just say, you know what, I don't want this. I never wanted this. We were supposed to have beaten this by now. And regardless of all of these attempts to popularize these theories, I just don't think it's going to work. The American people don't want it, and they're going to continue to push back against it. That's why you see people, parents, normal parents, not even conservative parents only, but People from all over the country stepping up in front of these school boards and saying, hey, Jack, no, get out of my face with this nonsense. I'm going to teach my kids that character is what matters, not the color of their skin. We're old school that way. We're not going to be tearing down MLK statues. We want people to believe and listen to the things that he spoke about, not ignore them, not go the other way. And until the, the left wakes up to that fact, they're going to lose a lot of elections. The Glenn Beck Program. Which wouldn't be too disturbing to me, frankly. Uh, 9-11, we know what happened. A terrible, terrible day. 2,977 people were killed in terrorist attacks on American soil. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been supporting Americans, he America's heroes and families ever since. This is a great organization. A great organization. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and have young children that are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays off their mortgage to lift the financial burden and bring their family to stability. For catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling our most severely injured heroes and uh, to live you know, the independent lives they want to live. 
And now, through Operation Homebase, Tunnel to Towers is gifting tiny homes to homeless veterans. In a world too often filled with darkness, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is bringing a little bit of light, and it's something that is just... I mean, we've been talking about this organization for a long time. They are fantastic. Our nation's heroes, people who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities, need your help. Help these heroes and their families join Tunnels to Towers on its mission to do good in their honor. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number T, T, the number two, then T.org, T2T.org. Back in a second. It's the Glenn Beck Program. Stu in for Glenn, who is out today. He should be back tomorrow. As you may know, he had the vid. He had the Rona. He had the Cron. The Omicron is in the house. All over the house. The house is caked in Omicron. Everybody in the house has it. Everybody all across the country has it right now, apparently. Like, no businesses are open. Everyone's just home with the Omicron. At this point, you have to admit, it would be a really good scam. To just say you have it and go on vacation. Can we be honest with this is what should happen. The American people need to come together. We're innovative people. We realize these things. If you haven't had the cron yet. You say you got the cron. And don't post those pictures. Of your island getaway. That's what you should be doing right now. Now That's maybe not the best lesson. For children. But that's clearly where Glenn is. You think he's actually. You think he's homesick. Come on. Let's be honest about it. He's either on some ski ski slope or some island, and he's just told everyone here he has the cron. And then behind him is a green screen that looks like his house. That's what's going on. At least that's what I believe. It is at that point where it is incredible. We, uh, the cancellations that have happened, the appointments that have been moved, the businesses that can't, you know, staff their actual businesses. It's really incredible. It's really incredible what has happened. Now, looking at what's going on nationwide, we've seen this for now a few days in certain states. The northeastern states that got hit with the Omicron stuff early seem to now be trending downward quickly, which is really good. You know, New York may be leading the way on that. They got it pretty early and now are getting out of it pretty early. But there's a bunch of other states, particularly in the northeast. Rhode Island looks like it's finally hit that peak. Connecticut. As well, Washington, D.C., Illinois is now kind of hitting that peak, Pennsylvania as well. And really states all across the country now look like we're hitting that peak. And this is about the time they they thought it would happen. That is uh, obviously a positive thing. And if you look at the nationwide chart now, you're seeing, I think it was Mike Chase who said it looks like a classic brontosaurus pattern. You see a very long neck, a, a line straight up. And at the very top, you see that little turnaround. It's a little tiny head at the top of the brontosaurus neck. And maybe, just maybe, that's the downturn of Omicron. Now, Omicron has not been as deadly as previous waves. We've talked about that quite a bit. Still is, uh, you know, not not a fun thing to deal with. And the economy has been hit very hard with this. Obviously, people's health has been hit hard with this as well. Because even if you don't die, a lot of people are just getting sick. And it's miserable. Now, even if it winds up being eventually kind of this endemic flu situation that we kind of hope it does become because it's a lot worse than what we've had to deal with over the past couple of years it still sort of sucks so you've got that going on 
the whole world just seems upside down. This weekend in Colleyville, Texas, there was a terrorism attack or at least an attempted hostage situation at a, uh, a temple in Colleyville, Texas. Now, if you don't know Colleyville, Texas, one thing you may remember it uh, by is early on in the pandemic when all the mask mandates were happening all over the place, they were like the first town to say, yeah, we're opening up. They were the first town I remember opening up their restaurants. I, I believe it was late April 2020. They opened up their restaurants. They were like, look, we're, we're not going to we're not going to play this game. They were also they also said, we're not going to enforce any mask mandates. I don't want to. We talked to the mayor at one point and he's like, look, I'm not going to assign resources to that. We've got other things to do. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't, you don't. It's not up to us to harass you about your personal health decisions. Uh, so this is a town, it's nearby where we broadcast from, and it's a great little town, and they had a terribly scary thing happen where someone came in and took a bunch of people hostage at a temple and started, we believe, ranting about a, a convicted terrorist who is held in the Dallas area, apparently wanting them freed or wanted to talk to her. It's, it's somewhat up in the air at this point. The good news is, of course, that everyone made it out of there, with the exception of the guy holding them hostage. He did not. Well, he made it out of there, but he just didn't make, he didn't walk out. I assume they've removed him from the premises, but he didn't walk out of the building. And that's a sort of a crazy thing. I mean, this is right near where we broadcast from, right near where many of us live here. I have friends who were close enough to be able to look out their window and see the, see the flashing lights hear the gunshots, hear the flashbangs as it was going on. This is a quiet, you know, great little town where you do not expect something like this to happen. And thankfully, it did not end as the worst way uh, possible. If they only would have defunded the police, though, imagine how well it would have gone. So you have that uh, situation going on. Then we had to deal with the football weekend, which I don't know. It, it depends on if you care about football, you might not. But I had the up and ups and downs of being a Philadelphia Eagles fan and just watching them get absolutely obliterated by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as honestly I expected. It would have been nice for them to show up at some level, though. It would have been nice for them to at least try or at least look like they were trying. Maybe they were trying, didn't look like they were trying. But they get totally blown out. And then I have to deal with the Cowboys, who if they win, if I have to come into this office... After a, an Eagles loss and a Cowboys win, that would have been, I would have faked the cron. I would have been on an island saying I had COVID-19. That's what I would have done. Luckily, though, I had the Cowboys to depend on to completely choke and blow the game in the final seconds. That, at least I had that to fall back on. And now I can save my Omicron, you know, fake, diagnosis for another time for another wonderful vacation <laughs> this is a strange world we're living in and we are now looking forward to an election an election season where everything is going to get crazier and crazier where the desperation from the left has got to scare you one of the things we uh, glenn talks about in his new book the great reset is how this plan has been around for a while, right? This idea to essentially, in some ways, admit failure. 
You know, it's interesting because this is something that's going on all around the world. But as it applies to, to the United States, the Great Reset is a sort of remix of a bunch of old ideas. And one of the important things about it is the American people have never embraced socialism like other parts of the world have. This is a country that was built foundationally on individualism. And yes, we come together in, in many aspects of public life, but the general concept here is that we are all individuals that can make our own choices. And as long as we're not affecting other people, we kind of go on with our lives. Commerce connects us. You know, uh, civics connects us. Culture at some level connects us, but it's a pretty basic level. And people can make lots of different choices. I mean, they can even be cowboy fans. All sorts of terrible, terrible choices people can make, and we respect those choices. But that has now uh, come to the point where the, the far left, the socialist uh, left, the AOC left, has realized that like this is not a winning nationwide uh, idea at this time. We can't tell people it's socialism. If we do, they're going to reject it. So we have to go about it in different ways. Now, of course, in AOC's district, she can say she's a socialist and win. Apparently, Vermont will elect Bernie Sanders over and over again. And we know that there are certain pockets of the country that are friendlier to these ideas than others. But as a nationwide idea, it really, you can't get control of the country with this sort of philosophy, at least yet. You have to do it very, very slowly. Well, how can you accelerate that? You can try to accelerate it by running AOC-type candidates, but that's not going to work. The way they're trying to accelerate it now is through the Great Reset, where instead of pressuring voters to vote socialist policies in, you go around the policies, and you use the market that has served us so well by pressuring companies at higher levels, international companies that have to deal with this stuff overseas, and have them implement it all over this country. So it's not a choice. It's no longer the Americans saying, okay, you give, you're giving me two ideas. I clearly select idea number one over idea number two. This is, there is no idea number two. This is just the reality of the world. And Glenn spends a good amount of time trying to figure out how to solve this problem. And he's got the solutions in the book. But it's not going to be easy. And it's, it really does require all of us to wake up and change the way that we do things. And not only that, but wake others up. The book has been either number one or number two on Amazon for you know the whole week. It's been going back and forth with Atomic Habits, which there is a long-standing war between Glenn Beck and good personal habits. And right now, Glenn Beck has been winning. Uh, the books keep going back and forth but Glenn has defeated his personal habits that's that's for sure but like those the reason why that book is connecting if you think of those two books in particular you know there's a reason why Atomic Habits is the number one or number two book in the country it's January it's a really good book by the way if you haven't read it and you're looking to change maybe the way you live uh, and manage Maybe you think your life has gotten a little bit out of control through COVID. I would highly recommend Atomic Habits. It's really, really good. 
But it's January and it's a book about habits and everyone's trying to have their New Year's resolutions and change the way they live. And it makes perfect sense that a really good book about habits would be number one or number two. Why would a Glenn Beck book be there? It's not because of his appearance, I'll tell you that much. It's because the Great Reset is something that people kind of understand, kind of feel is going on, but don't yet understand it. A lot of people want to know more about it, want to know where this research is, what's real and what isn't. You, I will tell you, you can get a lot of free things on the internet. There's a lot of stuff out there. Jeffy tells you, me about a lot of it all the time, and man, it's, it's terrifying. He runs a lot of these sites that, 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 that supply it. But you start searching for the Great Reset on the internet, you're going to get a mix. You're going to get some stuff that's real and a lot of stuff that isn't. A lot of, there is a Great Reset conspiracy theory. That's not what this book is about. The book is about sorting out what is real and what isn't, taking their words and understanding what they mean in context. That's really important. Because this is a movement that's gone around the country really quickly and has been accelerated by covid covid in the climate and several other things have been used as excuses to implement these policies and these controls over you over the things that you buy over the the job that you have over the laws that govern and you need to know this information and you need to be square on it not only you know so you can further your own understanding of it i know i've furthered mine by reading it but also to help others understand that it's not just conspiracy and to make sure you're not telling them things that aren't true. You have to know what is really true here because if you start looking on the internet, you'll find all sorts of fake stuff and that will only weaken the defenses against a Great Reset. The book is called The Great Reset, Joe Biden and the Rise of 21st Century Fascism. It is available wherever books are sold. You can get it at glensnewbook.com. Well, what you teach your children about this country really does matter. What they learn in school about it matters as well. We've been talking about that quite a bit over the past year. The American experiment has proven over and over again to be one of the most important things in the history of the world. That is not overstating it. We are never more than a generation away from losing it all. The Tuttle Twins books set out to teach your kids the truth about America, her history, her principles, her free market economy, which has been the rising tide lifting all boats around the world these books are fun and entertaining i love them my kids love them as well i have a, a, a uh, almost nine now and 10 year old and they love these books uh our you know our staff has a bunch of people who have kids as well they love them as well it's really important that you educate your kids and give them something that's entertaining it's not going to be a bore fest good stories wrapped around fundamental conservative principles and constitutional principles. Tuttle Twins are having a great sale. It's 35% off right now. Uh, they have their books, plus they're giving away the activity workbooks at no additional cost. This is a great present for if you have kids or grandkids. Uh, it's a big discount off the normal price. Go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com to get the discount. It's TuttleTwinsBeck.com, T-U-T-T-L-E, TwinsBeck.com. Keep your kids sane in a crazy socialist world. It's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Parents should have a say in what is taught in schools. They should have a say 
what's being taught in schools because in Virginia, parents have a fundamental right to make decisions with regard to their child's upbringing, education, and care. To parents, I say we respect you and we will empower you in the education of your children. Yeah, those rights actually go outside the borders of Virginia, too. <laughs> you know, the parents don't have a say in how they're educated. They get the say in how they're educated. Now, if they're going to go to public schools, obviously some parents will disagree, and they, but they all still have a say. That's really, really important. It's why Glenn Youngkin is now the governor of Virginia. He signed in a bunch of executive orders on day one. Delivered The first one delivers on his day one promise to restore excellence in education by ending the use of divisive concepts, including critical race theory and public education. Uh, he also had a, uh, a, an executive order about empowering, power, uh, empowering parents to decide whether their children wear face masks in school. So, you know, parents can choose. Um, there is an investigation against the, uh, the Loudoun County School Board regarding uh, the sexual assaults and what went on there. Uh, there's another one talking about Virginia being open for business uh, against another one against human tra uh, trafficking and anti-Semitism. And they're going to withdraw Virginia from their regional greenhouse gas initiative all on day one. So it was a rocking day one for Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. The story's up on theblaze.com. You can check it out there and get all the details. This has been something that is, is uh, we're seeing real movement on this around the country where people are pushing back against this standing up doing something about their own situations and we're here for it i mean i am here for it i love watching it i love parents who are stepping up and doing something about their local communities we're gonna keep covering that glenn is back tomorrow it is the glenn beck program this is the glenn beck program